Sarah, I've been suggesting this interstitial every October. For years. For years. For years. And here we are. Here we are. Eventually we get to it. (laughs) As long as these dummies listen to us. Exactly. Sooner or later, all the ideas will come. We call, so, I call you dummies with love, everyone. But, like, surely you have better things to do than listen to us every No, week. you don't. This one's going to be amazing. So I am actually not a big Halloween person. I don't really, like, get into the season that much. I don't really like dressing up in costumes. I think that's my problem. But I said to Sarah a couple of years ago, we should do, like, as for Halloween – an interstitial where we only talk about characters either named devil, the word devil or like hell or demon or whatever is in the title. I mean, like, like devil adjacent, devil books. adjacent books. Yes. So headphones in if you're in a Christian church. Yes, we are about <laughs> you were about to be smoted. <laughs> Maybe leave is what we're suggesting. Step outside. <laughs> step away from wherever lightning. God, imagine listening to Fade of Mates in a Christian church. Listen, if you do that every week, you give us a, a jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring your lightning bolts over here, everybody. <laughs> I want to know all about it. If you are a man of the cloth and you listen to Fade of Mates, I want to know. <laughs> sure. Welcome, everyone, to Fade of Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And my voice, I know, still sounds not quite but as good, but so much better. We're moving in the right direction. Yes. I told I told him before we started recording, she sounds like a sexy smoker. As opposed to, I'm actually weeks away from dying of emphysema, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, isn't, which isn't funny. No, I'm sorry. she does sound like a sexy smoker, which is a little funny. Yeah. Um... Uh, Jen, I know you don't want to do it, but we're going to do it because we're six years in and I get to make decisions too sometimes. Everyone, it's passed already, so you can't embarrass her. It's passed. It's over. But on Monday. It was my birthday. It was a big birthday. Let's, we're just going to leave it at that. It was, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what kind of birthday. All birthdays are big birthdays. For some and of so, you, that's true. For some, Jen doesn't like her birthday. I'm not a birthday a very, person. It's a thing, but anyway, everyone, please tell Jen happy birthday. You don't have to like message her or anything. Just say it right now out loud wherever you are in church. Put it on Twitter because then it won't bother me because I'll never see it because Twitter's so broken right now. <laughs> Twitter seems very broken. I have not been online very much at all on any of the platforms over the last couple of weeks. So every platform feels like kind of weird when I open it up once a day or whatever. And it's just like a mass of like weird, random. I feel, I think all the algorithms are confused by me now. Sure. They're like, who are you? I've, I've confused the AI. I had a really good day the day the Aces won the WNBA championships because that was like fun. There was a lot of fun Twitter things. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, I think I confused it again because I ranted, believe it or not, about a Reacher thing. There was this article in the Washington Post. About the brother. About the brother writing the books. And I was like, this article is like bullshit from top to bottom, everybody. Here's why I was mad. I'm going to just like keep it brief. Number one is it was kind of like started off with like basically like praising Lee Child, what a great writer he is, how important it is when you're writing for genre fiction that like, you know, a lot of people are like, this is the only book I read in a year is a Reacher book. How important it is to like, you know, be a certain kind of writer. Then there's, like, a casual, like, not so casual, actually, just, like, bam slur on Colleen Hoover and her readers just out of nowhere. Why? Like, What's that got to do with anything? Why you got to bring her into it? 
Exactly. Us? My fucking why are you going to bring us into it? Like, I was like, this is why romance readers are constantly in a defensive crouch because any old place, you might just take a punch in the face. We're just casually hanging out in Reacherland. Yes. So then, but then I was really like, this is bullshit. So then the end of the article is basically like, now the brother's taking over. And they're like, I mean, he has a name. Sure, whatever. You shouldn't probably call him the brother, but I get it. I'm mad. I called him the brother first. It's not, I'm, this is not a knock on you. Anyway. Andrew Child, the brother. Oh, Andrew Child. That wasn't his name, though. He wrote books under a different name, I think. Lee Child's not Lee Child's name either. Doesn't matter. Then at the end, they're like, it doesn't matter as long as the character lives on it. And I was like, wait, is the writing really fucking important or not, you jackasses? (laughs) So basically, the whole thing made me mad. And I just was like— How do you and Ernie feel? Do you have, like, a support— Yes, going. I sent it to Ernie, and he was like, I can't read it. And I was like, it's a gift article from the Washington Post. He's like, okay. Does Ernie like that he's like a character in our play? He does. He loves it every time we mention him. Also, as you know, he's obsessed with Eric's voice. He really and likes it when we, when we put out He's behind, so he's right now on those episodes, and he's like, ooh, Eric, for 50 <laughs> seconds this morning. And I was like, you two are never allowed to meet, you fucking weirdo. That's weird, but is he in Chicago? No, he lives in San Francisco. Oh, then we probably won't meet. Exactly. We it's fine. there together. It's fine. He's a delightful yeah. human. He and his husband just bought a new house. The baby's going to preschool. It's a great oh time in the life of a big, young big family. Changes. Big exactly. changes. Uh, anyway, well, there's that. Can I tell you about my soccer situation? Yes. Which is that, have you watched this Beckham documentary yet? No. Sorry. I, I know. You, I know. But I, I did watch something. Oh, I was watching WNBA basketball. No, you have this whole TV thing. I know. I'm sorry. But I do know that you like I would watch women's that soccer, film. too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so, well, I mean, not that women's soccer has anything to do with David Beckham, so let's just set that aside. But the point okay. is, I watched four episodes. It's four episodes. And I feel like you and Mr. Reed's romance would enjoy it, because Eric was like, he was like, I'm not, he sat on yeah. the couch. And you know, he he often sits down on the other end of the couch sure. with me, and he like, grumps at me? I don't know if anybody else out there is married to a person who grumps at them, but surely not. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk one. about the past few weeks of my life, everybody. Uh, so he saw, he grumps at me when I choose the TV. Um, but, you know, it's better than watching, like, whatever the show we're watching is, like, just shooting into our eyeballs for the 43rd time. So I was like, we're going to watch this documentary about David Beckham. And he was like, why? And I was like, because everybody says it's great. Kate Claiborne yeah. said it was great. We're going to watch it. And he was like, well, I'll sit here, but I probably won't be interested. I've heard it's so good. It's so good. And also, like, David Beckham's like a decent person. And so, at, at least, I mean, who the hell knows? But comes sure. off as like a fairly sort of down-to-earth, like, guy who gets – that he has had this, like, extraordinary yeah. life. And I really enjoyed it. And so oh. I would say if you are a sports person, I think you'll enjoy it because it's, like, very much about, like, sports and teams. And they're, oh, it does this cool thing. Okay, I'm going to tell you something that it does. And I think you'll enjoy this part the best. Okay. It took me a while to figure out what exactly I was looking at. And then when I figured it out, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So obviously soccer – Involves games or matches. That's true. Or world football, excuse me, football. It involves games or matches. And so, and these are like, you know, the greatest football players in the world at this time. Like, he's still friends with all of them, right? Right. And so throughout the, throughout the, uh, 
the documentary, there are these moments where the camera is super duper tight on mm-hmm. their faces. Like, and okay. so it's, you know, they're just, they're like barely right. their whole head in frame. And um, you can see that they're, and they're talking, they're sort of like, remember, and so at first you're like, they're just remembering that one match that like, right. changed everything or that time he kicked the ball and it did the whatever thing. Because he was, you know, truly great. And uh, and then by like the end of the first episode, I was like, oh no, they're watching the games. The they're matches. like, yeah, watching the And film, the camera yeah. is, so you're seeing them watching the match. And so you can see they're like, memories floating through their head and they're like cool smiles and like all their feelings are happening on their face because the camera is so tight on them as they relive the experience of like the game. It was great. That's cool. Anyway, I did watch TV. I when I was really sick, I watched I watched three episodes of a show which for me everybody is like, I don't know, like mainlining crack. And I watched the three episodes of that that uh, documentary on Apple Plus called The Supermodels. Have oh, you watched this? That? No. I was going to say this for Banter Plus, everybody, but I'll talk about it now. It's about – Tell everybody what Banter Plus is first. Oh, we have a Patreon. And <clears throat> once a month we have a bonus episode where we just banter. Like if you like what we're doing now, we do it for our whole hour. <laughs> And we have to usually keep Some a list. Some people hate what we're doing now. And we I know. They're like, but, you know, what you know, are you They're do? like, that's not a draw. But anyway, <laughs> they're like, skip. Fast forward. Um, <laughs> so we keep a list of, like, things that come up that we think would be good for Banter Plus. And in this case, it's about the era of supermodels. Naomi Campbell. Oh, yeah. Linda Evangelista. Oh, wait, I've seen ads for this. In yeah. Story. Cindy Crawford. Mm-hmm. Um who else? I feel like there are four of them. Oh, and there is there are Linda Evangelista. Linda Evangelista, Naomi Crawford. I can't remember her name, but it's like another white woman. They were all in that George Michael video. Anyway, it was it's like fascinating because it was such a time, right? Like that era of like supermodels. And it was really fascinating to sort of like kind of go back to that time, but also like repellent. I don't know how else to describe it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just because it's, like, the way, I don't know, like, just, like, that era and the way, like, you know, the, the price of physical beauty for these women. Yeah, Right, yeah, but yeah. also, like, the price of their physical beauty on the culture, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, have you seen, there's been this sort of, a couple of things that have come out about how Gen X has, like, uh, we have body issues. I mean, everybody has body issues, but we have pretty severe body issues. And part of the reason why we have such severe body issues is because, like, in the zeitgeist, like, the movies that we were all ingesting when we were in our teens and and early 20s were, like, all about, like, how people were so fat and they're, like, so skinny. Yeah, Their bodies are not of size at all. And so, like, there's just this, like, sense of just body dysmorphia just in the ether. Yeah, just, like, how this is how beautiful people looked, right? Mm-hmm. But it was what's really interesting is those women in particular were not, like, the really waif, like, the Kate Moss Christy era. Christy Turlington. That Christy Turlington, thank you. 
It was like right there. Um, the waifs that came after, like Kate Moss, right, who mm. famously or infamously but said, like Cindy Crawford was like a normal. Yeah, show. I mean, I mean no, she, she not she was not normal, she was everybody, not normal. but <laughs> she had like she had an uh, she had like thighs and an ass, and not, again, tits, not like, right? Yeah, totally. Not like my ass, <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> right? No, but I mean, so it was really interesting to sort of. That's kind of the last one I watched. There was like one more about like that transition to like those. Very, like, the waif women. Like, Kate Moss, I mean, I remember when she said, like, Linda Evangelista is really famous for saying, like, I don't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day, right? Like, in right. terms of, like, the and work Kate I can Moss do. Moss said the thing about skinny, yeah, nothing, nothing feels as good. Nothing as, tastes as good as being skinny feels, yeah. right? And so it's really interesting, I think. Anyway, I enjoyed it. I was also, like, I mean, I enjoyed it. I watched three episodes of show, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's Listen, one more. I mean, that whole time period was just wild. Yeah. Like, this it, And also, of course, it was wild because it was our youth and life. Yes, like, of there course. Are so many, in the Beckham documentary, there are so many, like, back, like, you see the Spice Girls, like, behind the scenes just hanging out. And, like, it's charming. Also, Victoria Beckham, like, Victoria Beckham's really charming. And, like, in her, like, completely dis connected. Yeah, right, from reality you're, way. You were yeah. a pop star and now you're married to David Beckham kind of way. Um, but I was really charmed. I mean, like, you know, now that I also feel like we're in a position now where it's like the golden age of documentary. Yeah, I agree. I think so too. Yeah. At first, you know, I think we were all raised with this idea of like, you watched a documentary only if it was about something you were interested in. Right. And now I'm like, if somebody's like, oh no, you gotta read that, you gotta watch that documentary because it's fascinating, then I'm I'm in. So thanks, Netflix. I, guess, I think about like the supermodel part is, I mean, it talks about them and kind of what they wanted and like, you know, their journeys, but also like how, you know, the biggest fashion houses were run by men. Mm. And how eventually these men got really angry that these women, these models were the stars. Were the stars. And that was a part that's that was really fascinating. fascinating to me is how the backlash came from these fashion houses that were pissed when it said things like, you know, Cindy Crawford in blah, 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 as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's the part that's I did. really, really interesting. You yeah. know, that makes me think. So last weekend I was in Virginia with my brother and we were sitting together and we were talking about how when he was young – his room was full of posters of, like, models yeah. and, like, attractive women. I remember he had the back of his door had a full length, like, a, a, a to scale, to scale, <laughs> right. like, yeah, right. full, full scale model uh, poster of Vanna White in a shower. Like, sure. This yeah. was the time, you guys. There was a time when Vanna White was not old. <laughs> um, right. But – and also, like, he is a Dallas Cowboys fan. And as you know, I am not a big football fan. But, like, we were there and I was there for the weekend and I was, like, trying to find find ways to, like, entertain my brother. And so we talked a lot about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Um, and now – and then I was, like – we were just talking about the Dallas Cowboys yeah. and how he had, like – Those cheerleaders. Sort of humongous poster. I mean, yeah. not a normal poster size. Right. Of the whole Dallas Cowboys cheerleading team. And so we were talking about that and the Laker girls and how they sort of happen at the same time. It's like put hot women on the field and not that cheerleaders didn't exist prior to that, but like 
it was, was different like, though. It was it felt really felt different. Different. Yeah. And it felt like those like Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, the Laker girls, and like the supermodels were all happening yeah. at the same time. Because now, like, I don't think professional cheerleaders are a thing. Well, they're different. They're now they're like these super athletes and gymnasts. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, like it's just like you a don't different, buy a poster yeah. of like no. a cheerleading team, like a, a football cheerleading squad. Well, because now they have more respect, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think, and you know what? I'm like kind of ashamed of myself. Like, I was one of those people for sure for a long time who was kind of like, cheerleaders and dance teams are stupid, you know? And then I, when I started teaching, I had a lot of my students would go on to high school and be part of those, you know, either a cheerleader or a dance squad or whatever. And I really realized, like, they just love dancing. And this, yeah, Yeah. they're athletes. And this is like an outlet for that, for that what they're good at, right? Like they're not going to be ballerinas, but they have this training. And and I was really kind of ashamed of myself for how judgmental I had been. But y- yeah, you have to understand, I think growing up at that time, you understood like these were like bimbos, right? Like the way well, that these they women were, were portrayed. Well, because sexualized Oh, like, yeah. My brother had a poster of them all on his wall, and it wasn't because he really enjoyed the articles, right? Like it was, you know— but what's really interesting about it is, like I said, now that's like it's such an interesting snapshot of a time. Yeah. When like these talented, because you know the Laker girls, right? It was Paula Abdul, wasn't it? Who was like, like led the, the choreography like, of that, yeah, choreographer. Right. Yeah. But I mean, again, like she's this amazing choreographer, right? And that's like, where are you going to go do that work on like cheerleaders in the nineties? I want that. I guess it was sort of the 80s and 90s. Yeah, it's interesting. So anyway. My brother in Rhode Island, loving the Dallas Cowboys. And he was like, I always really liked the Dallas Cowboys. And I was like, yeah, I know why. And he was like, oh, it wasn't because of that. And I was like, mm, I don't believe you. So, well, America's team. So I was like, Mark, they helped though, right? <laughs> he was like, well, they didn't hurt. <laughs> This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Megan Montgomery, author of Undertaking Love. The first in the, wait, I want to say this because I love it. The first in the Last Responders series. (laughs) I do think that's super charming. This is the perfect book for our Halloween episode. It's about an undertaker. It's actually about two undertakers. Our heroine, Bethany, used to be a very successful model, but her dream job has always been funeral director, which is curious. Um, But she has these plans to, like, turn the whole funeral directing world on its head with eco-friendly innovation and death positivity. And so she has this opportunity where she's able to purchase half a Victorian-era mortuary. The problem is this mortuary comes with a bitter business partner who is committed to definitely not changing anything about his family business. This one is an enemies to lovers romance, a rivals to lovers workplace romance. Um, We have a very bright sort of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed heroine who is fiercely feminist and has a big big ideas about the future of her, about her own future and the future of her business, and an ultra, ultra grumpy hero who is described as a grumpy, monkish misanthrope who resents her for buying his birthright. We'll just call it stern, stern funeral director, daddy, it sounds like. <laughs> That's right. 
And they end up at a hot mortuary conference in New Orleans. I should say, it's probably, it's not billed as a hot conference. It's a mortuary conference that gets a little hot. Because of these two and their amazing chemistry. So if you would like to check out Undertaking Love, you it is available now and you can read it with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Thank you to Megan Montgomery for sponsoring this week's episode. I want to start off with you and Wicked and the Wallflower. Don't you think we should talk about just, like, why well, they're hot? But I think that's why I want to start with you. Like, you only get one, right? I mean, how you did only it— only get one. So that's, I think, the part, you like— can't devil yes. twice. Right. And so that's the part that I'm kind of interested in is when you look at— Unless you're Clapus, who's cl- deviled in two genres. <laughs> yes. I think—and that's the thing I also want to talk about, which is, like— so common and historical. Now when you find them, they're often like motorcycle club romance, like something like that, right? Contemporaries a little bit sometimes, but not as much. Like, right? Like it like I there's a couple. So I'm really fascinated to hear about, like, I think my idea was you only get one. So let's talk about one. what the devil does and how you knew it was time. Well, listen, I mean, I think that I think you only get one because I think there is a perception or a Certainly for me. So I wrote a devil. My devil is Wicked in the Wallflower. It is the first book in my Bare Knuckle Bastard series. It was intentional. I was like, I'm going to do this series. It's going to, I had this like very clear sort of fairy tale idea for it. I knew it was going to be a retelling of Rumpelstiltskin. I was like this, if ever there, if ever I've written a character who like can really like own this name and this experience, it's this one. Um, And... I want to say, I'll tell that story in a second, but remind me that I was going to tell a story about Lisa Klaipas. Um, So, but I have been reading historicals for so long, and if you have been reading historicals, you know, like us, forever, you know there are every huge historical writer has written a devil. Whether or not they are called devil, like Devil Sinster in uh in Stephanie Lawrence's Devil's Bride, or whether you're talking about, like, St. Vincent in Devil in Winter by Julie, by um, Lisa Klepes, or, you know, Elizabeth Hoyt has her devil, and Lorraine Heath Devil has, of like, Downtown, so devils. Joanna Shoup. Um, I think Joanna and I were writing those books, like, I think we were very, it was close to each other. Like, we wrote, we put those books out, like, one right after the other. Um, but everybody has one. And so it feels like, and this, I do think that this like partially comes, this is an echo of Hare. Um, Hare has this book called Devil's Cub, which is, I mean, listen, everybody is going to come for me, but like a lot of people, uh, widely, it is one of her most beloved books. People do Um, say, if, if people have read Hare, that's the one that often you hear of that they, they like. Yeah, and he is, like, he is called the Devil's, like, that's his name, Devil's Cub, because he is, like, the very stiff, like, stern child of, like, a wild father who was referred to as, you know, Devil, whatever. So, um, I just think, like, but I think that there is, this is, again, it goes back to this thing that we talk about all the time with historicals that... You know, you really can play – you can play with arrogance in a different way in historicals Mm -hmm. than you can in other genres. 
Um, I think you can play with the like the alpha, the sort of like hyper alpha without having to like give him super duper motivation right. like in, in historicals. I think you can you can dial a historical hero up to 11 in a way that you cannot most contemporary. I'm obviously I'm not talking about like now in 2023 there's like dark romance you talked about it like there's motorcycle clubs and these sort of like mafia the the stuff that's sort of around the edges but like a traditional down the middle Emily Henry is never going to write a devil. No. I mean like because unless it's like ironic how it works, right? Um and so and so I think in historicals there is this sort of a family tree of devils, right? Like it's there. And so there are the primordials, the ones that you think back on and you say like that, that text was seminal for me. No pun intended. And then. <laughs> you intended it, sir. And then, I mean, I always intend it when I talk about seminal texts and romance. Um, and then you set yourself, I mean, but I would be lying if I said that you're not aware of the weight of what you're doing right? When you're writing a devil. Because if you're not, you're not doing it right, right? Like, there is a sense of, like, I need my devil to, like, fit the pantheon of devils. Yes. Right? Like, who has there been and how does he, how is he, like, put into the sky in a different way? So, for me, it's really funny because, so I was thinking about that. Like, so, like, what's what are the qualities of, like, the devil? And the reason that de- your devil is interesting to me is because he's not an aristocrat, right? Right. I mean, so in that way, you're really, like, staking out a little bit of an area. But in terms of his personality, he totally fits, like, the devil profile, right? right? Power, money. Power, money. But, like, um, for me, the other, like, really key quality of the devil, it like, a character named Devil in Historical is, like, this is the guy who you can imagine walking away from everything if he wanted to or needed to. Right? Like, yeah. like there's a way well, in which— Well, there's ennui, right? Like, yeah. Like, that is the most important part, the sort of sense of, like, first yes. of all, he does not believe in goodness or kindness no. or no. decency, right? Because right. he's the devil. Yes. Um, and and he's deeply unmoved by yes. humanity. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, like, he's not the worst guy. No. No. But, I like, mean, exactly. That's the thing. He's certainly not going to, like, leap— to, you know, aid if, right. unless he's really put in a position of having to. Right. And, I mean, I think that's the key. It's like when you think – you just hear, oh, these characters are an Indian devil. You think, oh, they're going to be, like, the worst ones. And it's not. It's more about disconnection almost, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like, they're essentially, like, the morality chain but historical, but make it historical yeah. in some ways, well, right? And you can't discount the connection to sin, right? Oh, like, yeah. Like, they also have done – Everything. <laughs> of like, course. And they can't Right. Nothing be, shocking They for can't them, be right? shocked. Yeah. Um, right. So they have ex- – and, and often, I mean, like, you see devils um, – you know, you see devils in in uh, books about casinos or books about – like, yeah. you want – like, there's, there's a lush vice to most of them, right? Like, right. there is a sense of power that comes from darkness. Like, this sense that they have, um, I don't know, like, taken some big risks and won, 
right? With like so with Devil's Sinister, it's like they all went off to Waterloo, but they all came back, right? Yeah. And and Devil in Winter is he's like he made his big play to like steal Lillian away from Westcliff, and mm-hmm. you know he lived to tell the tale. Um, you know, so I think the other thing is it's it's like there's this sense of them like I don't know like living past the acceptable boundaries of whatever world they live in. Yep. Right? And that's the cause of the ennui, too. It's like, right, like, I have seen everything and I've done everything and I'm past all of that. I'm I'm just, <laughs> you know what I mean? I love them. I love I these mean, fucking men. It's fine. And that's the thing. Like, the promise of the premise is right there in the character name. Yeah. Right? And so when when a devil is misused, it's... It's like a romance. It's like a romance felony. <laughs> Your romance own goal. Straight to jail. <laughs> yeah. Like, what'd you do there? <laughs> right. No cinnamon rolls named Devil. Everybody, <laughs> just don't do it. Um, and of course, there's the other piece of this, which is the other day I was talking to Louisa Edwards about something, um, and I was like, we were talking about you know whatever, and I was, uh, and I was like, I don't know, maybe we should just like. Give him a nickname. And she's like, you love a nickname. And I do, I do yeah. love a nickname, which is, I think, also like my deep, unabiding love of, of historical romance. Yeah. Right? I right. love a nickname. But that's why they're all like the Devil Duke, the Devil Earl, Devil. Sure. Of course. You know, Devil Sinster, whose name is not Devil, but I can't, who can even Sebastian, imagine? Sebastian, my friend. Sebastian. Sebastian. Of Sebastian. Of course it is. Listen, that book. Perfect. No notes. Wait. She, she really does deliver on every – she really writes, a, like, whole new Every – that book is amazing. Wait, we I want to – We did a deep dive on that book. Yes, we did, because I love that book. That's called Devil's Bride. And yeah. It's a delight. But, like, yeah. Wait, Go ahead. You wanna, I want to tell one yeah. other really funny story before we dive into – back to our Discord – because I was like, I'm going to go ahead and do a search for Devil and see if anything comes up, like if anybody recommended any books or, you know, just mm-hmm. like sort of popped up. And oh, I forgot I read this story. It's really funny last week. So Robin is one of our like really active people on the Discord. Mm-hmm. And people were talking about, I don't even know like what brought it up, like being at camp and like the trouble people got into. And she mentioned that like she never went away to camp, but there was this one camp where everyone called this like Pond Creek where like the older kids would go. The Devil's Bathtub. (laughs) And she said, quote, unquote, I never went to camp, but I've heard stories. And then, like, people were like, wait, why is it called the Devil's Bathtub? She's like, why do you think? And then she said, I'm sure the adults didn't call it that. (laughs) And I was like, that's amazing, the Devil's Bathtub. You're going to get in trouble. I don't know that they would come up with the Devil's Bathtub. Hilarious, right? I just And I was like, it made me laugh so hard. And it was funny when I first read it, I was like, be right back. I'm renaming this channel The Devil's Bathtub, which I never did, but I really feel like I well, could make a the, case for, for it. for Halloween, for, for – uh, Yes, The Devil's Bathtub. Isn't that great? Yeah, perfect. I mean, there's something really compelling about it. It is, of course, morality chain, like you said, because it is – you know, I – we would be remiss if we didn't at some point talk about books in which the character was, in fact, the devil – well, I think we're going to have some big buckets right? here, right? And so they're like fundamentally, if you're talking about morality chain, like that's that's a piece of it too. Like yeah. bringing the fallen angel back, back to, to light. Yes, listen, making the devil fall in love with you. Sure, 
listen, no notes. I want that. I want that in, listen, I want that in every single romance novel I read. It doesn't, he doesn't have to be named devil, but that's what I want. That's the vibe. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, if you've got devil in there, you better deliver. This week's episode of Faded Mates is brought to you by Alexander Harvey, author of The Countess Caper. And in an, in, I just want to say, serendipitous is our name this week because it is book two of a series called The Dainty Devils. <gasps> it's all coming together. I love it. Also, Jen, I feel like if we were on a game show right now, it would be one of those things where there was like a counter and a bell rang every time something great was happening in this book. Yes. Or every time something that really scratches Sarah's itch happens in this book. It'd just be all bells in the Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Lady Tessa Kilkenny lives in a ramshackle manor house, (laughs) which is full of women who have nowhere else to go. Amazing. she will do anything in her power to keep these women safe, including being a lady highwayman. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm, I'm in One a- of these ladies needs to get to a midwife immediately because there is a baby coming and they need a carriage. And there happens to be an earl who lives down the street and he has a carriage ripe for the stealing. So Tessa goes, heads out to steal his carriage. Of course, this grumpy, this grumpy reclusive earl has, is not having any of this nonsense. Sure, of course Hi, not. Li, highway woman stealing his carriage. To take, um, have a baby be born. But what? it just so happens that he's ready to make a deal because he needs a wife. And so uh, that all works out, except she's keeping a lot of secrets. Like she's fighting off housebreakers. She's stealing from earls and viscounts. She has a house rigged with traps to discover unwanted visitors. She's clearly in over her head, or is she? Yes. And she's definitely keeping secrets from him because she doesn't trust him because patriarchy. So he needs to do everything he can to earn her trust, show her that he will never let anything harm her, and basically be hers forever. And I, for one, am buying this book right now. His name is Rourke Noble, so I feel very certain that it will all work out in the end. With a name like that, he's got to be a good guy. So if you would like to check out The Countess Caper, um, again, a dainty devil, you can get it um, with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited, or it is also available in paperback. Um, Thank you to Alexander Harvey for sponsoring this week's episode, you devil you. If you were looking in, like, the line of Harlequins, where are you going to find devils? Oh, in Presents. In Presents, right? Like, there are no devils in Harlequin Desire, but, man, you look at Harlequin Presents. That's me a hard one. For fucking decades, there's been devils in Harlequin (laughs) Presents, right? All the way back to Carol Mortimer and Ann Mather. And then, you know, you've got Caitlin Cruz still writing devils. So that's the other thing that was really making me laugh is, like, you even know, like, which bucket you need to go to if you want the devilish ones in Harlequin. Get thee to a presents, my friend. <laughs> Immediately. Immediately. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200. So I was also kind of laughing when I was thinking about, like, you know, so it's like the places that that archetype lives are the really, like, high drama, high angst, right? Like, that sense of everything being high stakes, right? Because you cannot write a normal man (laughs) in 2023 who is also a devil. Like, they're just—like, those two things do not go together. No. 
there just is no room for somebody who has to be as traumatized and have like the most intense past that you would need in order for you to functional to like function in the world as the literal devil. Um, yeah, no, there's just no room for that kind of past in a contemporary romance novel, like a straight contemporary romance novel. I'm, I mean, again. This is caveating. I'm sure there's like I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it right now. I'm sure there's a book called Mafia Devil. There are probably about forty. Sure. Books. Well, it's interesting because I do have some ones we're gonna talk about before we go on to like maybe like talk about historicals or whatever. What? There is no book called Mafia Devil. Well, listen, how can that be? <laughs> uh so if you're out there writing mafia romance, I just gave you a gift. I also want to shout out one of my all-time favorite romance anthologies, and it is still available. You can get it for five bucks. Was called The Devil's Doorbell, a different kind of devil, as I'm sure you, or maybe you don't know, this is slang for the clitoris. That's, I mean, I did not know it, but I clocked it right there. <laughs> You're like, I got it right there. So that one has um, quite a few favorites, M. O'Keefe, Ann Calhoun, Megan Mulry, who you like. I know. It's terrific. And so it's like, it came out, I think, in, oh, I look, 2017. It's a great anthology. I think there's like five or six. One, two, three, four, five, seven. Seven little novellas in the Devil's Doorbell. Just in case you want to just mix it up. I'm just sending a quick text to Mila Finelli to say... Devil, yeah. uh, mafia. mafia devil is <laughs> untaken. Please get on it. Somehow no one has written that. <laughs> oh, okay, so we should start off with historicals, obviously, right? Since we spent so much time. We should. Um Devil's Bride, you've we just sort of talked about. We had a deep dive. It is one of my favorites. Oh, I mean mine too. Right. And before Eric started uh editing the podcast, before I started writing romance novels. Eric knew the name of one romance hero. You said this. And it was Devil Sinister. Sure. What a name. Name is destiny, right? And I remember him saying to me at some point, like, Devil Sinister? Are you serious? And it was the first time that I clocked that Sinister was supposed to be a, like, (laughs) was supposed to be a sinister homonym or whatever it's called. Homophone. And, uh, yeah. Amazing. Devil Sinister. A legend. He's back from Waterloo, all the all him and all of his cousins. I mean, here, you know, the Waterloo thing. So yeah, he goes to war, he comes back, they're all like ruined by war. He's a it's a very like um Tommy Shelby and Peaky Blinders yeah. vibe. These these devils. Yeah. I mean these cousins, yeah. I mean, my devil is a full on Tommy Shelby and Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Like I mean th- it's funny because long before she was the um, artist to the stars, Lenny Kaufman was just like a – she just – she made fan art for romance novels and she made this of the oh. bastards. Amazing. And it's very clearly Killian Murphy there as <laughs> Tommy know. Shelby <laughs> playing like, the okay. part of, of Devil. I mean, Killian. 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 He is, I don't know, like, there's a big storm. He finds a beautiful woman, Honoria. And uh, it turns out that she is perfectly suited for him, comes from some rich family, whatever. 
She thinks she wants to be a governess. He's like, you are going to be my duchess. Uh-huh. It's terrific. The whole thing is fucking great. I don't even know what else to tell you about it. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say Go except it's perfect. Go listen to the deep dive. It's great. It's by Stephanie Lawrence. Once, When you've read this one, then you've got like a whole family full of them. She just keeps going. Energizer Bunny. These men never, the have never, never felt a feeling. At not one of her heroes has ever felt a feeling. <laughs> no. And no. I don't mind it. And then there's, of course, we have to go immediately to Devil in Winter. Yeah, of course. Who, now, listen, Sebastian St. Vincent is not a devil on t- in text. But he is a devil in at heart. Yeah, fair. <laughs> and um, I think that if you're going to talk about devils, this is like, this is one of those like the cornerstone texts. Um, he does. He we we begin the book. If you've read the whole series in the prior book, he literally attempted to. He was the dark moment yes. at the end of the book. Right. He literally attempted to kidnap the heroine, and the hero had to like go save her. And um, but now he's he's back and he's reforming himself. Uh, but he like he's like talk about a person who just like. I do not believe in love. I do not believe in feelings. The only feeling that I have ever felt that is valuable is orgasm. Yes, sure. And um, they, and then he marries this, like, they, he has like a very quick marriage, a, an anvil marriage in Scotland with this young, like, on, like a young wallflower who is absolutely the wrong person for him in every possible way, except he suddenly is like, I only ever want to have sex with this woman, my wife. And she's like, mm, I think we're good. <laughs> we did it once because we had to, but now it's done. And then, no. he, and then she's like, no, more. No, we're not, we're not doing that ever again. And he's like, what? what? And they make a sex deal. Yes. Which is sort of probably the hard wire directly to my soul for my sex love deal, of sex yeah. deals. They make a sex deal where she says, okay, well, if you can go, is it a month? No longer. It's longer. I think, yeah, month. I don't know months. how long it is. I think she suggests like something a year, and he's insane. like, "I could never." <laughs> what? Have my I penis. seen my virility? Yes. <laughs> um, he's like, it's uh, it's it it's it's, it's un- unnatural, unwell, yeah. <laughs> not to release. Multiple times a day. Anyway, Ugh. very virile. Sure. Um, they make a sex deal, and she basically is like, okay, if you can stay celibate for X amount of time, I honestly don't remember, um, then maybe we'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's listen, <laughs> sparks great. It's, it's so great. Ridiculous and also amazing. And right now, Devil in Winter is for sale for $2.99 in ebook. Perfect. So then in the Ravenel series, <clears throat> Sebastian. Well, yeah, that begins yes. the. Well, a couple books in, he reappears. Then we have the Devil in Spring, which is one of their their oldest son, who is the devil because he likes dirty sex. And then you find out it's like not really that dirty, but whatever. I love you still, Lisa. And then <laughs> there's like Devil's Daughter and a bunch of, you know, and then, devil, it, you know, he's. Deviling. In bed with. No. And then, yeah. So, th- so that's a whole series, but also Lisa Kleypas, uh, she just couldn't she couldn't leave Wait, devils because you have a contemporary. But I want to go back to historical after, so don't go. go yeah, ahead no, I'm back. just yeah, yeah. putting all of Lisa together. Okay, um, she couldn't let it go. 
She probably just wrote a contemporary because she's like, I need another devil. She was like, I got to I got to get more devils out. And, uh, <laughs> and so she wrote Blue Eyed Devil, which is actually my favorite of the contemporaries. Okay. Which is this very, check your content warnings for this one. The heroine was in an abusive marriage and has, uh, and she was, her, her husband um, sexually assaulted her. So like there are real content issues here. And Lisa really threads the needle, I think, really beautifully, but your mileage may vary. Um, but this book is about, let me just make sure, but I'm pretty sure his name is Hardy Cates. Oh, yeah. It's Hardy Cates, right? It's Hardy yeah. Cates, right? Yeah. This book is about Hardy Cates, who is the, like, one that got – he, like, misses out on the heroine of the book before. And so, like, he's hard and um, grumpy and he doesn't believe in – feelings or love because he should have had that girl who he'd loved from childhood. But instead, he falls so hard for Haven. heroine of Blue-Eyed Devil. Yeah, and Haven, Haven Travis. That's right. Oh, my God. Haven. Name is destiny. <laughs> God, no one, no one does it better than Cleopas. Nobody. Nobody. So, yeah, <sighs> anyway, that's a good one, to too. Back to historicals. Um, the Devil of Downtown is... Yeah. Perfect. One of my absolute – I mean, and it's funny because I love The Prince of Broadway, which is Fuck Yeah Florence's book. Mm-hmm. Shout out, be in her books. So in the Uptown Girls series, there's three sisters. So it's The Rogue of Fifth Avenue, The Prince of Broadway, The Devil of Downtown. And I love Florence's book. with Florence and Clay, but I reread The Devil of Downtown a lot. Um, and this is Justine, the youngest sister – and one of my favorite things about this book is, like, Justine is just, like, this total do-gooder. And her older sisters are like, what are you doing? And she, and I love it because I was like, wait, those two just ran amok through New York yep, for two books. But they're very protective. But and they're very protective of, and obnoxious to Justine, who's like, what the hell? And she falls in love with, um, I mean, he is, like, the king of the oh, lower so of great. lower Manhattan, <laughs> Jack Jack Mulligan. God, oh, such a good name. It's such a good name, Jack Mulligan. And he is literally like the minute he sees her, game over, right? But he puts up a good fight. I mean, he's just like, there's no way I can like this do-gooder who you know is constantly like prancing around doing good. <laughs> And he just cannot get enough of her. But he can. And but he can. Oh, man. It's amazing. And also, just FYI, everyone, in case you were wondering, he is, in fact, the devil yes. of downtown. Oh, yeah. He loves If going you know down. what I mean. It's amazing. And I think you do. Yeah. I love this book so much. It is f- probably one of my favorite historical romances because I just found, um, like, his arc really interesting where you see him fighting his attraction to this do-gooder. Um, mm-hmm. and, and still like, you know, beating the shit out of anybody who gets near her, but also just being like, Justine, I love her so much. Um, also it is super sexy. He has like a secret house essentially down in the village, what is now mm-hmm. the village. And no one knows where like he really lives. And so at some point Justine like gets dropped off and she's like in his home. And it, it is like this very, um, like I think another part of these books that I really like is there's this sense of they all have their, like, lair, 
right? Like this like secret place that no one else ever sees them in. And Justine in his home is just like completes him. So it's very sexy. It's very great. They have a lot of sex there. It's awesome. So good. Yeah. So I completely am obsessed with the devil of downtown. My fave too. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Monique Fisher, author of Hot for Teacher. (gasps) How exciting. (laughs) It is exciting for me. This is the kind of Hot for Teacher I want to read, which is (laughs) Latrice Richardson is a 38-year-old divorced single mother. She has an amazing career, a wonderful 8-year-old son named Quincy. What she doesn't have, right, is like a love life and a sex life. And so she does what any smart woman does, and she just finds herself a handsome stranger. Nathan Woodson has a scorching hot one-night stand. Yeah, get it. She gets it, and she's like, she gets it. She's like never going to get it again. It's fine. Until one day she walks into her son's classroom and finds that beautiful man is now Quincy's teacher. <gasps> so oh, no. Nathan, of course, is just like, I've landed my dream job, and how is this beautiful woman I just spent the best night of my life with? Um, the mother of one of my students. So these two are going to try and keep things professional. No, though, that won't work. That won't work. They've got nosy school moms on the prowl. That is of so real. Of course they do, because he's hot and single, and nosy school moms care. Nosy school moms know how to be nosy. And so is this parent-teacher relationship too hot to handle? Find out if you love an older woman, younger man, secret lovers, and plenty of high heat. And hot for teacher. This book is released on October 29th as both an ebook and a paperback. You can pre order it now or get it free with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Thanks to Monique Fisher for sponsoring this week's episode. Well, we got to talk because, because literally everybody big has done a double. We got to talk about Lorraine Heath. Um, so Lorraine Heath has a whole series, which is my my favorite Lorraine Heath series. And I don't talk about it. I don't often like name this series because as my favorite, because I love all of Lorraine's books. But my favorite in its entirety is The Scoundrels of St. James. And it's a long ago series. Um, and it begins with In Bed with the Devil. And basically... Um, it's in, the whole series is inspired by, is it Oliver Twist, the one with Fagin or is that Great Expectations? I don't know. I don't I'm showing know. my like lack of knowledge of sure. the it's fine. Dickens oeuvre. Um, but anyway, it's the one with Fagin. That motherfucker and, would have scored big in KU. I'm just saying, writing by the word and all. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, so, okay, it's a, it's sort of a reimagining of it where there are all the kids who work for Fagin and um, each one gets their so they are they're all like pickpockets together on the, like growing up on the streets in this sort of like very violent kind of London, and each one gets their happily ever after. But the first one in bed with the devil, his name is uh, he he is a kid who grows up like everybody thinks he's like the worst of the lot, right? He's you know murder possibly murdered people. He's definitely like stolen he's been a thief he's been a you know you know just a rotten kid on the street because he's been like the the like strongest arm of Fagin and lo and behold he's actually an earl like he was a kid who you know got lost in the sauce and like 
And so at the beginning of the series, he is basically told, like, hey, congratulations, you're an Earl. Um, And he's like, fuck everything. Like, he just goes, like, kind of crazy. And he's like, I hate everything. I hate all of it. Um, They think that he's – so they call him the Devil Earl because they're pretty sure that he was, like, a monster on the streets and he definitely murdered someone. And he comes into the whole arc um, kind of – with this idea that he he has always his whole life thought that he was going to marry this other this like other girl the girl a girl who's like also a member of this group of kids, um, so he hires uh, Catherine, the heroine of this book, to basically like Pygmalion Fanny this girl uh, into somebody who will be bright you know and and uh, poised enough to be a countess. And, of course, the whole thing goes awry, and then he and Catherine actually end up, like, wild for each other. And it's so sexy, and they are so drawn to each other from the absolute beginning of of the book, and it is just perfect. And then you meet – it's also really lovely because you meet all the other kids from their, like, group, and they all hang out together, and it does that sort of, like – you know, because here's the other thing about devils. They're never alone. No. Right, they of course. always have a crew. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And, um, and it's usually like a bunch of other people who are equally as, you know, disdainful of feeling and humanity. But there's this great moment at the beginning of this book where she shows up and she's like, I'm not – I don't want you to get angry with me. Like, you know, everybody calls you the devil Earl. And he's like – and in his head, he's like, I don't have – like, I would never be angry with you because I don't feel – feel like, I don't have feelings. Yeah, I right. Have capacity for human emotion. Sure. Of course. Like, I uh, love it. Eat, eat it up. You're like, give me more. <laughs> right? Exactly. There. It's Oliver Twist. Please, sir, may I have some more? Of course. Exactly. Right back mm-hmm. to the beginning. Elizabeth Hoyt probably has some devils, but I don't know. Yes. The last book in Elizabeth Hoyt's Legend of the Four Four Soldiers series is called To Desire a Devil. And that here, oh, my God, that's the one who where the hero has been, like, in captivity. And he walks into – is that the one where he – Wait, hang on. I just have to I if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's got like the greatest beginning of any romance. So he has been like people think he's dead. He's like been kept in captivity. He's basically wild. He's like a feral. <laughs> he's basically a feral. Um but there's like a portrait of him on the wall of like the receiving room. And the heroine has been, like, talking to the portrait, like, every day since she moves into this house. The niece of the current owner, who is really only the current owner because, of course, like, he's an evil uncle who, like, inherited – like, basically, they had this guy declared dead or they were going to – it's it's maybe – it might be, like, six years and 360 days. Oh, yeah, like right. One of know, those. Yeah. That seven-year marker. So he's about to become this like bad dude is about to become the owner of this house and the earl and um but she's like been sort of in love with his portrait forever. They're having like a tea or I can't remember. They're having some kind of party um or gathering and like 
there's a commotion. It's the first chapter of the book. There's a commotion in the hallway. <laughs> and he comes into the room, like, hairy and wild-eyed and, like, feral. And then, like, passes out at her feet. <laughs> and she recognizes him from the portrait and is like, take him to the room so I can care for him. So listen, <laughs> I love it. If you love her comfort, this one's for you too. Elizabeth Hoy, this whole series is really terrific. Um, it's where we start to see Elizabeth really start to like thread the needle on the yeah. mysteries that end up being a really, really big part of the next series, which is the one about the Batman. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay. What's what's that one? I don't know. Crap. I, I, why did that just leave my head completely? Oh, Maiden Lane, of course. Yeah, right. The Maiden Lane. The Maiden yeah. Lane, which is basically like Victorian Batman or Edwardian, no, Georgian Batman. They're all set in the 1700s. Yeah. Late okay. 1700s. So I want to, so I think we've covered some historicals. So I want to talk to you a little bit. Oh, do you have more? more no, I mean, I always have more, but we don't have to do it. Well, I mean, if there's one you think that is no, like, that's key. Fine. okay. That's I want to talk about like my strategy. There, wait, does Beverly Jenkins have a double? I really did find myself thinking if, like, I was like, is this something only white ladies like? like uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that, everybody. I'm looking. I'm looking, looking. No, it's just funny because you make a list of, like, the top, the biggest authors, right? I don't have an answer to that, but I will tell you my strategy. So this is, like, kind of a fun thing to do. Your content and devices is really, like, now, you know, it's a picture of my reading life for the past what, 15 years. I think I got a Kindle in 2008 or 2009. And so if you go to your content and devices and just search a devil, it'll show you everything that like matches. <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of a fun way to like figure out like what you've read, right? So, and this is where I found some of the contemporaries that I think would relate to this topic. Mm-hmm. So we have talked, again, extensively about My Love for the Devil's Rock series by Sophie Jordan. That was on my list, too. Sophie Jordan's Devil's Rock series. Which is, the Devil's Rock is the name of the prison that they are all, that all of the heroes spent some time Mm -hmm. in this prison. And um, those books are terrific. In particular, I like the first one, which is... um, there's like a riot at the prison. <laughs> Hell breaks loose, isn't it? Yes, right. And um, is it all chained up? Wait, hold on. Oh, it's not Hell. Oh, you're right. Hell breaks loose is the one that I like. Is the one that's um, the other really good one, right? Where they're on the run. He's on the run. Listen, with like the here's my thing about something. these. I don't know these. This whole series, it can't. Sophie predated the rise of the Colleen Hoover books and. It's a disappointment for me that more people who love Colleen haven't found Devil's Rock because I do feel like, Avon, if you're listening to this episode, repackage those books because just yeah. put those Colleen Hoover covers on them because they would sell like hotcakes. The first one's so good, right? Like, so Briar is a nurse at the prison and she is super attracted to him, but then like really pissed at herself. She's like, that's not okay. It is all chain love. Right. And then um, essentially he saves her during this like prison riot. And then like he gets out and they find each other and goes to get her. Oh man, it's so good. And then the one you like, and I also really like, 
Um, oh, a hell breaks no, hell loose. Hell loose is the one with the president's daughter. Yes. Go for it. And Don't then I actually it. love Fine. book number three, too. And then is it Beautiful Sinner where they get trapped in the high school, like, yes. arts but, and crafts room? No, the yeah, closet. The, the closet. Like, like the dark room or something, right? It's like, no, it's like a um, like a janitorial closet. Yes. In the local high school. And they're trapped in there. Like, they're there for some, there's some, like, I don't know, what's it called? Some recital on a Friday night. And then they, the two of them, through a confluence of romance events, romance reasons, end up together in a dark janitorial closet for an entire weekend. Yeah, it's great. I also love yeah, Fury on Fire, which is the one where they're next door neighbors. And she is like the sheriff's sister. And he is, you know, just living his life. Uh, He is just like determined to live his life now that he's out and has, you know, lots of women coming through and she's kind of like. But I also feel like he's like a welding artist. Sure. Who knows? I don't even remember. Like flash dance style. (laughs) (laughs) He prances around with his, with his, you know, shoulder off. It's no, in Flashdance, she works at a welder, doesn't she? Yes. She's a welder. By day, she's a Rosie the Riveter. By night, she is a hawk. So those are great. I also have one. This again, I would not have really remembered this except for my content search, and then I reread it this morning, and I was like, "This is fun." It's called Gridiron Bad Boy by Melissa Blue, and it, now it's that's the title now. But when I bought it, it was called Devil of the Gridiron, which is why it popped up for me. And this is like, um. It's a couple bucks. It's worth your time, but it's maybe 100 pages. So it's just like really like insta-love. But it actually has this plot, which is he is this famous football player who has gotten into like a lot of hot water. There's like a sex scandal. Some of his texts became public. And um, he's like a real smart ass during the post-game, you know, interviews or whatever. So he gets drafted by a new team. But the deal is that he has to like play it really straight. Like, right, no more fooling around. And so six months in, it's this gala, and he is, like, kind of like, fuck it, I'm out of here. He can't take it anymore. And he, like, kind of goes out a door, and he he kind of storms through a door and accidentally knocks over this woman. And he's like, oh, my God, the press is going to think that I, like, did this on purpose. And, you know, she, she's a caterer, and there's, like, food all over her, and she has a bloody nose because I think he actually, like, the door hits her in the face. So he hands her his card and is kind of like, if there's anything I can do for you, I'm really sorry. And she volunteers at like a youth center and it's about to be shut down. So she calls him and is like, would you just come for an hour? Like, right, like just to sort of like kind of get a little press and it's like a good cause. You don't have to actually give money. I mean, she's like, you know, just come and Mm kind of raise the profile. And he is so into her. And they basically, like, bang it out. They, like, leave from the thing, go have a sex weekend. You know what I mean? Perfect. And then, and then the press gets wind of them and also, like, a situation with his old friend. But the whole thing is just, like, a quick 100-page, like, bang, 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 happily ever after. And the whole thing is, like, again, like, he has that exact – historical profile, right? Like the ennui and the sort of being on the edge and I've done everything and seen everything. And then Charlotte comes along and he wants her. And it was great. Love it. Okay. So are you done with contemporaries? No, I have a couple more. Go ahead. 
Do you have any? Do you have contemporaries? I don't have any. I mean, I have I have two that are no, I don't. I have two paranormals. Okay. And I don't have any paranormal. So you like maybe I'll just round this up. Okay. So I everybody knows I don't read books with cliffhangers. So I read the first book of this series and I enjoyed it a lot, but I'm sure they turned out great. It's called Deal with the Devil by Megan March. His name is Jericho Forge, which I'm sorry is a great romance name. Yes. And her name is Jericho Forge, obviously. Her name is India. She is in real she's like a professional poker player. Mm Mm-hmm. This is like one of those romance plots, I'm going to admit, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you're just like, fine, this is the setup. Sure. Her sister has been kidnapped by bad guys. I don't really know why. She needs to come up with $10 million in 10 days. So she's going to open, like, essentially get herself into a really high-stakes poker game that she knows she can win in order to, like, get this money. And Jericho Ford shows nice. up, and he was not supposed to. And he disrupts the whole night, and basically at the end of the night, she loses, but he is like, well, you can put yourself in the pot, right? Like, I will – so, you know, it's like um, – An auction romance. Yeah, exactly. Or not a, a gambling romance. Right, a gambling romance, and you're you're going to gamble yourself. Um, so she ends up losing, and then, like – and he has, like, a big beef with, like, one of the other players, and this guy, like, wants her, so he's basically like, I'm going to take her because I want to, like, fuck with this guy who's my enemy, like, that kind of bullshit. So this is, like, Megan March, March, if you've ever read her books, it's, like – Real alpha-coded, like, you know, these guys are real dickheads, and it's great, and I love it. So India goes off with him, and then she doesn't know why, but, like, something disrupts them. Like, one of his guys says something to him, and he, like, tosses her out. And so she really is now really in trouble because she doesn't have the stakes to get back into a game, um, and she really wants to try and save her sister. So she's even more desperate than ever than ever. So um Jericho is gonna reappear, offer mm-hmm. to stake her. Um, and you know, so it's like they have this real cat and mouse game as in the like world of high stakes poker. And like I said, I enjoyed the first book book quite a lot. Nice. Um and then the one other one I have is a motorcycle club romance called Devil's Game. Um, Joanna Wild, her primary series um, is called The Reapers. And in Devil's Game, um, basically, and I liked it because it was kind of an offshoot, but she never revisited, like, the the theory, the like, the story. Um, the daughter of the, like, president of The Reapers or whatever – um, falls in love with a guy from, like, another motorcycle club. And his motorcycle club, his name's Liam, and their, that motorcycle club is called the Devil's Jacks. So it's like I'm falling in love with, like, the, you know, a guy from this other club. And um, there's a lot of drama about, like, loyalty in this story, right? Because she should be loyal to her father and these men that, like, raised her and the club that raised her. And instead, she's meeting this, like, this handsome stranger who is, like, their enemy. It's like, it has big Romeo and Juliet vibes. Um, so I really like that one, too, because, you know, I love those. I All love right. Those. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, listen, we're just giving people what they want here. Yes. Um, okay, so I have... Too, but as you were talking, I, I I was thinking of a third too. So okay, 
the first one is obviously, I feel like when you think about the doubt, these are, so what I was thinking is, what about books where the hero is in fact the devil? <laughs> like the actual devil. The actual <laughs> devil. Yes. Um, so of course there's, no, I I couldn't find it uh, any books where the hero was an actual devil, was the, the, capital T, capital yeah. D, the devil. But Wicked Abyss, which everyone knows is one of my very favorite Immortals After Dark books by Cressley Cole. Also, if you've never read that series, you can read Wicked Abyss as a standalone. Um, it is one of the few books in the series that, like, actually really does work fully as a standalone. The hero is the king of what's called All Hells, which is a realm of, like, the Immortals After Dark series that is basically hell. Like, it's basically a terrible torture planet. Um, and he is it's, – it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling, and he is, like, the most – this is – this is, um, in actual fact, I – I did a little bit of the research on, like, the actual, like, history of the mythology of the devil when I wrote uh, that casino series that I wrote. That first sure. book, A Rogue by Any Other Name. And the mythology of the devil is, like, obviously that he's a fallen angel, right? So he's stunning. He's one of, like, the most beautiful creatures in right. the world. Um, and so in this book, the hero, it has always been like an absolutely gorgeous, like basically like blonde Adonis of a person. Mm -hmm. Um, But now he is going through this like transformation into big horned, like think Fantasia style. Upright. Devil, devil, Um, which is really fine for me. So it's very (laughs) hot in the context of Immortals After Dark. If you haven't read that series, horns are like, are, like, super sexual, like, they're, like, the sensation that demons get when somebody touches their horns is, like, basically, like, an orgasm times a thousand. And so it's just, it's great. It's a great one. I also want to talk about Alicia Rye's Hot as Hades. Oh, God, Hades it's so good. Too. Oh, it's yeah. It's so great. So Hades in this, in the this one's an erotic, like, I think it's short. It's oh, yeah, not it's long. pretty short. Um. But in this one, Hades is a, uh, he's like really, really, he's full of just boredom and like, he's just, he, he's just a very idle, like king of hell, just hanging around in Hades. Um, And Persephone just like lands. Literally in his lap, right? Literally lands on his lap. And they are incredibly drawn to each other. It's super sexy. And there are these beautiful moments where Alicia writes Persephone, when Persephone like is enjoying herself, flowers and like greenery just grow everywhere. So hell is this like very sparse, bleak, dark place. But every time Persephone feels pleasure, there's just like an explosion of life everywhere. And the, the actual writing of this is really beautiful, um, but it's also super hot. So, because you can't have a series where the hero is a devil or a demon and not deliver on the sex part, which is what I was thinking when I thought about the Demonica series by Larissa I- Larissa Ione. I- it might be Ione. I don't know. When I first got my Kindle, I like mainlined that series. That's yeah. the only word for it. I just was like, yeah. I blew right through it. 
So Pleasure Unbound is, I think, the first one in that series. I think series, so, too. That's the one that I would recommend starting with if you're at all interested in this. The, all the heroes in that series are, uh, or no, they're all demons, but the hero of that book is, um, she, he's like a type of succubus, or I think a succubus has to be a woman, so like he's an incubus maybe, I don't know, Whatever. don't quote me on this, but he's one of those, um, and basically if he does not, um, like if he doesn't do it regularly, Mm-hmm. He's cursed, and um, but he's also a doctor, and he's really con- like he's like the, yeah. I feel like he's one of the early um, paranormal heroes who like has a little bit of like a little less of an edge. Um, yeah, I would and agree. And the that. heroine is a demon slayer, which is sort of a perfect match, right? Demon slayer and demon. I have one more that is not devil, but it's hell, and I feel like it's adjacent. Um, so I wanted to talk about there's – there's a series by Josh Lanyon called The Adrian English Mysteries. I, I've only listened to them. I've never read them with my eyes. And it's like I think f- maybe five or six books, and in the Adrian English is the main character and, he, and, the, ma- and the narrator. And he mm-hmm. owns a mystery bookstore in L.A., Mm-hmm. And so every book he is like it's like very much like a you know every book has its little mystery and he's like the mystery bookstore owner kind of like solving the mystery but in the first book this brings him into contact with this cop named Jake and over the course of the five books he and Jake have an affair and like break up and Jake is closeted and you know there's like a lot of angst and drama in his relationship with Jake and in book number 3 which is called The Hell You Say there is the mystery. Is it about a satanic cult? And so basically, Adrian, one of his, um, the guy, this, this guy that works for him named Angus, is turns out is like mixed up in this cult and somehow brings the bookstore and Adrian to um, the, you know, I don't know if he, I can't remember exactly like if he's like trying to do some sort of Wiccan thing in the store itself after hours. But, like, it brings, like, essentially this whole cult is, like, then after Adrian. And he's, like, you know, these books, it's, like, the mystery in them to me is um, the mysteries are never, like, super high stakes. Like, they're really telling us and teaching us about the characters, right, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so we're really getting Adrian, who's kind of, like, wait, like, my employee is, like, bringing this to my door and – he ends up getting a phone call from this, like, really famous um, best-selling author who's into the occult, this guy named Gabe Savant. And so, like, it's all this, like, kind of boo-boo-boo-boo, all this stuff happening, and he's trying to figure it out at the same time that Jake is really uh, about to break his heart and has decided that he should marry a woman. And so there's all of this drama. And I, I – you know, it's funny because I feel like I'm talking about this book out – you know, like – this whole series is so good, and because of the way Adrian and Jake's relationship evolves, I don't know if you could really start here if you care about that, right. um, but I think it is a standalone in terms of introducing, like, the characters in this. So even though there's not a devil, there is the devil in the <laughs> hell you say. Well, I think we really did the job here. Listen, I feel like we gave the people what they wanted. It'd be what I wanted. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah. So it is October. 
Next week is Halloween. And uh, if you just want to load up on books with yeah. devils. Right. Not that kind of devil. Books where men are very comfortable with sin. Speaking of which, I didn't even talk about Downtown Devil by Kara Mechanic, which is basically just like Kara Mechanic sex fest with these three people. <laughs> Perfect. I mean. That's a nice ending. Exactly. <laughs> Kara McKenna, bam. Yeah, you can do all of this. Many of these books that we recommended, um, especially the historicals, are all in series. And so, you know, pick one and then just get ready. You're off to the races. Yeah. I mean, you can take a swim in the devil's bathtub, ring the devil's doorbell. <laughs> you have lots of choices, everybody. Ring That's what we're the saying. Devil's do- we hope everyone is ringing the devil's doorbell this week. And um, yeah. Next week is officially. Uh, Flowers from the Storm Week, you guys. I'm reading it right now. I'm really having a great time. You know, he has Heads a dog up, devil. It's a beast of a book. I was not prepared for it to be 600 pages long. It It's a delight, but it is very long. So get reading if you're going to read with us. The audiobook is so terrific. It's oh my God, Nicholas Jen. Bolton and it's so good. Yeah. Okay. This is not about Flowers from the Storm, but I okay. do feel like all of our listeners would like an update on Unhinged. Oh, by yeah. Valentine. Yes. I was sent. The, the Fade of Mates Instagram account, which is at Fade of Mates Pod, was sent a video <laughs> of I, w- I forget. I'm going to put the link. We'll put the link in show notes, but sent a video on uh, Instagram of um, a, a reel of a man who had read Unhinged in audio. <laughs> and apparently it comes with sound effects. Oh. Door hinges, knobs wood so take that as you will my friends we all deserve nice things yeah if you're you know piping spooky music and other things out into the world this week for halloween you know (laughs) maybe the audiobook of (laughs) listen what a world what a world everybody we are as you say unmatched okay everybody have a good one Oh, wait, can I just say one more thing? Also, if you live in Florida or near Sarasota, because Florida is a big state, on November 4th, I am going to be speaking at the Sarasota uh, Off the Page Book Festival. Neil Gaiman is also speaking there, but like everybody knows I'm the bigger name there. I'm the real draw. Sure. (laughs) Um, It's free and open to the public. We'll put links in show notes, but I would love to see you. Come say hi. I'll have Fade Mate stickers. Um, we could take pictures and make Jen jealous. Neil Gaiman's put some devils on page, but very different in vibe and tone. Not, yeah, not the same. Not the same. Good luck to everyone, though. <laughs> I'm Sarah McLean. I'm here with my friend Jen Prokop. We are Faded Mates. Fadedmates.net is our website. You can find all the information on this episode and show notes there. You can also find a link to our Patreon there where if you like our banter, you can get it once a month and all month long in the Discord with all the other Magnificent Firebirds who have joined us there. Thanks to everyone who is already a member. And if you're not, we hope to see you there sometime. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Faded Mates Pod. You can find us on Threads at Faded Mates Pod. And then on Blue Sky at FadedMates.net. Yes, all those things are true. And uh, yeah, we like reading about devils. If you think that we have skipped a devil that absolutely must get some attention this week, please let us know in comments at all of those places or, you know, 
speak it into the world, I guess. Thanks, everyone. Happy Halloween.